Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Welcome back to the Insurance Brokers Podcast. We're delighted to be speaking to Richard Hyam, Executive Chairman of Sales Levers and Strategic Partner to Boston Tullis. And Richard is talking to us about all things sales. Richard has over 25 years experience in sales performance consulting, and together we're discussing 12 critical factors to get right when developing your sales performance strategies. In part one of this three-part series, we're talking about the changing world of sales, the trust equation, goal setting, and your sales dashboard, the importance of tracking, measuring, and analyzing. Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast, Richard. It's great to have you back on. It's good to be here yet again. Really enjoyed the last time. Looking forward to this time. Absolutely. And actually, the analytics of last time were were really good. Um, I think people got a lot of value out of our podcast. So I thought what would be really good is to have you back on today and to talk over key areas that are really important when you're looking at your sales processes and trying to boost sales performance. And if there's anybody that knows that, it's you guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, we certainly like to think we know what we're talking about. We've made a lot of mistakes. We've learned a lot of lessons and uh, good to pass those on. Absolutely. So I thought maybe it would be good to start with um, an overview of the changing world of sales because COVID has done an awful lot to making everything virtual. I think pre-COVID, we're in the middle of a digital transformation anyway. So tell us about the changing world of sales and, and your thoughts on that. Well, that's certainly something that I'm asked to write a lot about. I think you're absolutely right that COVID has accelerated the change, but it's not caused the change. So this was going on before COVID and it will go on after COVID. So broadly, we talk about four drivers for sales change. First of all, you need to achieve a sales result in a volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world. It's what the American military strategists call VUCA. And if we're waiting for the world to get back to normal, uh, we can wait for hell to freeze over. We've got to get really good at selling in this VUCA world. Secondly, we've got to generate high growth in low growth economies. If that was true before COVID, and it was, it's even more true now when it's uncertain where growth is going to come from. So you can't just ride the wave and you probably can't just seize market share. You're going to have to generate high growth in a low growth economy. Thirdly, we've got to adapt and be at least caught up with radical and rapid change in buying behaviors and buying processes. And fourthly, uh, we need to uh, leverage the extraordinary change in sales innovation. We're able to do things now that we couldn't even think about two, three, four, five years ago. So those four drivers for change are what are driving everything that we do. Hopefully, some of those four levers we can explain in more detail as we have a chat through, because I think they're all highly relevant. In terms of managing the changing world of sales, we've talked quite a bit about the trusted advisor, solution selling, and how important developing trust is in that equation. 
there is a trust equation. Can you talk us through it? Well, yes. First of all, I think two things have changed. Until a few years ago, most people would have said trust is random. You can't accelerate it. It just happens or doesn't happen. That thinking has changed. And it's changed uh, with some really, really good writers who've been thinking and writing about this. People like Meister and Green, and we'll come back to the trust equation. Uh, People like the extraordinary Rachel Botsman, who looks at how trust has changed. And then people like Stephen M. R. Covey, who's talked about how you can accelerate trust. So there's some really good stuff going on out there. Uh, You mentioned the trust equation. It comes from Meister and Green. I find it really helpful. Uh, Their argument is that you can quantify how trust is built. And it's built out of a mixture of credibility, reliability, and intimacy. So we should be looking all the time to say, how do I come across as more credible? It's who I know. It's what I know. It's how I communicate. Reliability, do I do what I say I do? And do the team around me do what I say they say they'll do? Uh, under promise, over deliver. And then intimacy, which is interesting in a remote context, is you know, how do we get close to people and develop that relationship, which is so important. Now, their argument on the equation is that all those are multipliers. Do those and trust grows. But it's divided by what they call self-orientation. So you may in the past have been sold to really well by somebody in a shop. They're credible, they know the subject, they're reliable, they do things well. They're intimate, maybe they're a little bit over-intimate, come across a bit cheesy. But the sense you have is the only reason they're selling to you is they want to make their commission, they want to make their target. And so you don't trust them. Whereas somebody else uh, in a different shop could be equally credible, reliable, and have that intimacy. But they come across as thinking of you first, they're less money-driven. So we need to build credibility, reliability, and intimacy and reduce uh, self-orientation. So I think that uh, that trust equation is a really, really important one. Some of the stuff that Stephen M. R. Covey's written is great. He talks about accelerating trust. You can't fake it, but he talks about signaling earlier. So if we're going to do something, we say we're going to do it. He talks about declaring intent early and then doing it and then saying, look, I said I was going to do that and look, I've done it. It's quite scary stuff to do, but really, really important. So trust is a biggie. You can't fake it, but you can manage it. And relationship building underpins most of the insurance industry. And that's how most insurance brokers develop their sales is through relationship building and and you can't do it effectively if trust isn't imperative to everything you do? Yes, absolutely. I think the insurance sector is not alone in that, but if it applies anywhere, it applies in the insurance sector because uh, you're not just selling an intangible product, you're selling an intangible future good that I probably don't want to buy in the first place. So if I don't trust you, well, I'd, ra- I'd rather not need to buy, buy insurance at all. I Absolutely. Claim. I want to know that you and your provider will be around should I need you. So trust is absolutely fundamental. 
Yeah, I uh, uh, second that completely. In terms of the changing sales of world of sales, in terms of how you develop trust and build relationships, that's one or two parts of the equation, isn't it? When we're looking from a from a process driven perspective of developing sales performance, one of the key aspects that I'm seeing as not always present is the fact that you've got an objective. You've set your goals. You know where you are now and where you want to be in next number of months or years. So can you talk to us a little bit about goal setting and, and how you how you do that effectively? Yeah, it's really interesting that you've said there about where you want to be in a number of years. Stephen Covey Sr. used to always talk about start with the end in mind. And as a business leader, I'm absolutely focused on where we want to take the business and where we want to be in five years' time. And everything we do is centered on that. Now, I'm fortunate in having an outstanding chairman who keeps you know, saying, is that getting us where we want to go? So goal setting, start with the end in mind. Goal setting, be really clear and rigorous and write them down. But from a practical point of view, I think sales goal setting and sales targeting needs to change in the in the world that we're operating in. Good old days on, on sales goal setting, broadly was stick the finger in the air, which way the wind is blowing. Okay, winds in our favor. Okay, add 10% to last year. Winds against us, add 10% to last year. Winds not doing anything, add 10% to last year. We can't do that at the moment. So my thinking is we've adopted what we call the, the crosshairs approach to target setting. It's like the crosshairs of a target rifle. And you need four things in place. Of course, you need top down. So what do you want to achieve as a business to achieve your commercial goals? Or if you're working in an organization uh, led by others, being really clear about what the business requires of you and your team. And you can't get away from that. It'd be naive to say you don't need top down, but top down won't do it. So the other end of that vertical crosshair is bottom up. What do your salespeople say and believe is doable? And perhaps more importantly, in the current very changing market is analyze your market. What are the trends in your sectors? Um, And take a view on what's happening in those sectors. And if you're looking after strategic accounts, do this on an account by account basis and figure out what growth is going to come from those key accounts. Now, for many organizations, uh, the 80-20 rule doesn't just apply. It's usually a uh, 50-10 rule. So 10% of your clients will be generating 50% of your revenue. So if you can identify your top 10% and say, each one, what are they likely to deliver? You'll probably have a clear picture on your 50% of your income. If you then want to extend it out to the next 10%, you'll get another 30% of your income on top. You've covered 80% uh, analytics. So top down and bottom up is your vertical crosshair. Your horizontal crosshair is on the one hand, what's your sales capacity? And we'll reference sales activity in a minute. But get a clear view of what is doable. And you may well be able to lift that activity, but you need to know how much selling time your people have got. 
On the other hand, you need to know what their conversion ratio is. So it's fine to know that my people can make 10 sales visits in a week or 20 or whatever it might be. But how effective are they and what will they be able to convert that into and what's the time lag going to be? So when you put those four things together, top down, bottom up, sales activity levels and sales effectiveness, you'll then be able to come up with a very clear goal. And don't please be profoundly stupid by adding a fudge factor. So what happens is I, as a salesman, give you my figure. You think, oh, I've got to add 10% to that. Your boss adds 10% to that gets to the FD, she adds 10% of that, and it goes to the board, and it's had another 10%. And I'm left with a sales quota or target that is completely absurd, because everyone's added a 10% fudge factor to it. (laughs) I think that's really interesting. And I've seen that happen so many times. Just talking the 80-20, the 50-10 rule, that works through sales, a full sales and marketing strategy, doesn't it? So some of the stuff we do is um, analyzing your your top 10 or top 20% income generators to develop the profile and the prospect target that you want to ultimately turn into your new, new business. So that, that level of analysis is critical across all elements of business, whether within a goal setting and ultimately measure and analyzing kind of way, which brings us probably to the next section that is incredibly important. And that is measure and analyze and track every process that you put in place so that you can go back and tweak where necessarily. Do you necessary, sorry, do you want to um, talk us through that bit more? Yeah. So I think we've got to look historically Um, sales have been flaky and they've been retrospective. So we've used lagging indicators. How much did we sell last month? Well, that tells us whether we had a good month or not. That has changed and it's got to change some more. So we've got to move from uh, lagging indicators to leading indicators. What are the things that are going on which tell us what will be happening? So that when you go into a management meeting, a board meeting, whatever it might be, you're talking about the indicators that can give the business confidence to know what will happen. So move from lagging to leading indicators. I'll give some examples of that in a second. And move from flaky into concise, clear and compelling. So we need... Uh, a sales dashboard can key performance indicators, if you like. And those need to be really simple. If you've got more than a dozen, you've got too many. If you've got less than three or four, you've got too few. But the kind of things I want to see are things like activity-based. Are we doing the number of sales visits that we said we'd do? What is the, the mix of the customers that we're talking to? Maybe the mix of existing business and new new business uh, and where's that coming into play what are our conversion rates what's our average uh, deal size these things will tell us what's going to happen in the future it will also allow you to coach and manage performance Um, but we've also got to make sure that we're communicating that stuff clearly you know, having multiple Excel spreadsheets that nobody can understand or read and which take hours to put together, move away from that, get real clarity 
and concision into what we're communicating. And then communicate early and communicate in a way that's relevant to me, whether I'm the salesperson or the CEO. Give me the information I can use. And balance the ease of collecting it with its usefulness. So it's difficult to collect if nobody uses it, don't bother. You can make it easy to collect and it's really useful. That's what to focus on. So there are a number of tools out there that you can use both to drive process, but also that provide the management information, the measurement and analytics needed to tweak the process, some of which we are very well aware of, aren't we, Richard? Yes, absolutely. I think there are some really good app-based tools that allow you to to gather information and make information very quickly available. I'm going to drop into commercial mode and declare an interest. One of the businesses uh, that we bought earlier this year in the middle of lockdown was a business called iSnapshot, which allows you to gather that data. Incidentally, and I'll reference it later, uh, it also just got some data on this. But in the first six months of using this kind of tool, uh, on average, businesses increase the number of recorded calls by about 208%. So you can use it to get the uh, activity levels up. But there are, other, there are other ways of doing it. Some people can make CRMs uh, work for them. Not easy to do, but there are ways of working. Yeah. I think I snapshot, obviously, we've had numerous conversations about it and uh, the development of that process, which I'm really excited about, actually, having seen the back end of the product and, and its capabilities. But Things like iSnapshot are out there. I probably haven't seen anything quite as effective as iSnapshot, but also the integration with CRM is is possible there. So when you're looking at a wider marketing and sales strategy, having something with uh, an open API so that you're only keying data in once is, is, is how you make CRMs work. Yes, and the great thing is that you know, almost everyone is thinking about how you integrate things and single entry but we're living in a data-driven world. So having a clear picture of what's really happening, mm. not what you know, Joe, the salesperson, is telling you they're doing, but what's really happening is hugely, hugely beneficial. And it opens the door to things like training requirements within the, the sales team, technical or soft skills, et cetera. So, so I think measure, analyze the sales dashboard, as you uh, very eloquently put it, is, um, is really important to define and then have that process within your business. Thank you for listening to part one of our Improving Sales Performance podcast. Listen to next week's episode where we are continuing our conversation and talking about the three levers of increasing performance in your sales team. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.